0: If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And I recognize that today there's been a lot of change and a lot of new things. But imagine that this morning, you were and fell in one of two camps. Maybe you're an early morning riser and for you, you waited and waited and waited to go to church because it seemed like it would never get here. For others of you, you were delighted to have an extra 30 minutes to get things ready and get things going. But this morning, as we come together, also recognize that you have a blank outline. And maybe more than anything, that can really upset people to have a blank outline without anything to fill in. Well, uh, there's a very special reason for that. And uh, it's very important. And so uh, we'll get to that in just a minute. Actually, I'll go ahead and spoil it for you. I just didn't finish my sermon in time. So that's why you have a blank outline. It's a very special reason this morning indeed. So 1 Corinthians chapter 11 23 through 27, we spent time uh, preparing our hearts, recognizing today everything that we've sung about has led us to the time where we will take the Lord's Supper. We've looked back at the memorials of those who have passed away this past year, and we've looked at Memorial Day, what it means to celebrate and remember those who have died in in battle and died as active military. And, And so we come here to finish this day remembering what Jesus has done for us. There's a reason why we take the Lord's Supper on Memorial Day Sunday to be reminded of what Jesus has done for us as we look backwards. So as you look in your Bibles at 1 Corinthians 11, I want to read this for us and then we'll we'll launch through it for just a moment and then we want to spend the bulk of our time preparing our hearts receiving the elements and taking time to examine our hearts. 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 27, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person then examine himself and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Let's pray together. Lord, would you open our hearts? We read these passages very carefully and cautiously that we want to come to this table Examining our hearts, but also recognizing the great grace gift that you have given us. So Lord, again, we, we want to be antennas up, receptive to all that you will have for us this morning. So help us. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Legendary. Baltimore Orioles broadcaster John Miller always had a a special thing that he would do in the broadcast booth as a radio announcer. He had been broadcasting games for many, many years, a legend in his own right. And John Miller had this interesting and peculiar habit of putting on the side of his announcing platform with a microphone and all of his notes, he would sit an egg timer. Now, John Miller was not hungry and eating eggs at the middle of the Baltimore Orioles games. He set an egg timer for three minutes And every three minutes, there's something that he did every three minutes. Any guesses what this famed Orioles broadcaster would do every three minutes? Imagine you're listening to a game on the radio as you're driving home or you're going somewhere. What what needs to happen about every three minutes as you're watching a game? You got to know the score, right? This legendary broadcaster recognized that after three minutes, his listeners would often begin to get a little Anxious, not, not remembering the score, worried about the score, always trying to think about, now, why are we doing this if the score is this? And the score every three minutes just would calm the nerves. To know the score in that moment, even if you're winning or losing, you gotta know the score, right? You, and so you hear now on broadcasters about every three, four minutes, they're always gonna say, top of the ninth, we have three to two. Here we go, bottom of the ninth, bottom of the stretch, we have three to two. They're always gonna give you the score constantly. It's why in the middle of a game or during the game that you're watching on TV, the score is always listed. And you know that you get a little antsy when they take the score down and put something else up. You want to know how what's the score? What inning is it? What's going on? You always want to know what's going on in the game. I think there's a reason why. Systematically Jesus says is as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. We've we come today to remind ourselves of the score to remind ourselves who has won, what has happened, to look back and remember, no matter what's going on, no matter what crazy things are happening in our world, that today we've come here to set the score, to remember the score. And what is the score? Jesus has won. Jesus has indeed come to this earth, lived a sinless and perfect life. He died on the cross and he rose on the third day, triumphantly over death and sin. Everything has been overcome. And at times, we just need to remember that. At times, we just need to stop what we're doing and systematically come to this table with one-heartedness to say, man, there's, there's a lot of mess going on. There's a lot of craziness happening. There's a lot of things happening all around me. But we've come this day to remember the score that in your sin, Jesus has overcome it. In death, Jesus has risen victoriously. No matter what the circumstances you face, no matter the difficulties that you're walking through presently right now, remind yourself of the score. Jesus has won. Death has been defeated. Your sins are no longer stinging any longer. If we look at the scripture, we begin to ask ourselves a central kind of question. How do you remember? How do you remember things? I'll just ask you, how did you remember that the service started at 10.15 this morning? Did anybody have to put up a note or did you put something up in front of you? Did you have a timer on your calendar system that would remind you? I have a wonderful app on my phone called Todoist and I have put my entire life into this thing. When to change air filters, when to take the trash out, when it's different birthdays and anniversaries, every conceivable possible thing that I need to do is in this one central app. If it goes down, I am toast. Just lost, grocery list. Every conceivable possible thing that needs to be done is in this central nervous system of my life in this little app called Todoist. Everything's in there. And it's so helpful to systematically get these little notifications and notes. But how do you remember things? Do you put little rings around your finger? Do you put little twine around your finger to remember that you're supposed to remember something? Do you write lists down? How's your system of remembrances? We come to this Memorial Day. Last Sunday night, we had a a rededication service for the large roll of honor uh, meant to signify the men and women who have served during World War II. And right outside of Stakely Sanctuary, you'll see right now on display and more, more in the future, it'll be on the wall there, but this beautiful big roll of honor And every time you walk by it, you're reminded of the men and women who served in our country. It's a reminder to pray for uh, our country. It's a reminder to pray for men and women who are serving actively. Every time you see it, it's a remembrance moment for you to recall so many different things. How about you in your life? You have pictures up around your house to remember certain life events. You have pictures of your wedding day to remember the day that you got married. You have pictures of your children, you have pictures of the day that you graduated, high school or college. You have moments of remembrance all throughout your house of different trips you've taken and moments in your life, right? It's good for us to remember. We're we're quite forgetful, are we not? Over the course of the next few weeks, we're gonna be studying the book of Genesis. Genesis two, three, and four, some critical chapters of scripture, and right in the middle of it, you see when Adam and Eve fell. I want to take you back there for just a moment, not taking away from what's going to happen in the future, but if we come to the Lord's table, let's look at the very beginning. You recall that Adam and Eve were in the garden and everything was good and pleasant and everything was right and perfect. Everything was good for Adam and Eve in the garden of Eden. There came a point that Adam and Eve were tempted by Satan to take and eat of the fruit. Everything is good. Everything is right. Everything is going well. But in a singular moment... Adam and Eve were deceived by the serpent saying, Take and eat. Such so simple words, right? Just take and eat. And take and eat of the fruit, right? Nothing really bad's gonna happen. Adam and Eve, take and eat. And if we launch forward, Matthew 26, 26 through 28, Jesus says to his disciples, as he's instituting the Lord's Supper, he says, Take and eat. This is my body, which is for you. Famed pastor Ligon Duncan said, you come to the table, and Jesus says to us today, he says, take and eat. What's going on there? Ligon continues, he said, the last time we heard those words, take and eat, things didn't turn out so well, did they not? The enemy says, take and eat. The last time we heard those words, it didn't turn out so well, but Jesus here in Matthew 26, 26 through 28 says again, take and and eat it's effectively jesus saying watch this satan take and eat from the garden of eden saying take and eat and sin entering into the world and everything the effects of which we are feeling to this day in that moment when satan said take and eat sin entering into the world and here jesus says in matthew 26:26, take and eat The verbs from Satan that led to the destruction and the fall of mankind here in Matthew 26 are verbs of our salvation, take and eat. You see, Jesus, not wanting to give us a plaque to remember, not wanting to give us a day to remember his sacrifice, he's given us this meal which I find to be so fascinating that of all things Jesus could have given us to remember and reflect on His goodness to us, He's given us a meal. I mean, you think about how intimate and wonderful a meal is. How many of you went on a first date at a, at a meal? How many of you have enjoyed getting to know somebody, inviting somebody into your home over a meal? How often do we go to coffee and share bread and coffee with somebody, getting to know somebody? There's something intimate and special about a meal. How often was Jesus accused to be a friend to sinners because he would eat with sinners? And so isn't it beautiful that here to remember, Jesus didn't give us a plaque to put up in a church. He didn't give us a day on a calendar. He gave us a meal, a meal to remember. So then how do we take this Lord's Supper? Let me give you three things that you can put on your outline right right briefly before we take it. How then do we take the Lord's Supper? Number one, we take it with grateful hearts. We take this meal with grateful hearts, recognizing that Matthew 26, 26 through 28, when Jesus was taking the Lord's Supper with his disciples, he was sitting around with, with his disciples who were about to betray him, who were about to deny him, who were about to leave him, Jesus was sitting, recognizing that he's about to go to the cross to die a painful death, to be denied, to be beaten, to be harassed, and to go to cross and to give his body willingly for us. Yet the first thing that Jesus does is he breaks bread and he gives thanks. In the midst of a group of men who are about to leave and abandon him, in the midst of a future that looked like enduring the cross and the shame and the pain that he was about to experience... Jesus breaks bread, and he gives thanks. There's something so unique in the Christian life about giving thanks, about saying, thank you, Lord. So we come to this moment recognizing we were dead in our sins and trespasses, but he has made us alive. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. So we come to this moment with hearts exploding with gratitude. I mean, is there anything more antithetical to the believer than to be ungrateful. Everything about us as a believer is a heartbeat of gratefulness. Where would you and I be without the grace of Jesus in our lives? And so we come to this table with a heart exploding full of gratitude, but often to remember. We do it, as Jesus said, as often as you do it, do it in remembrance of me. In the midst of his disciples betraying, in the midst of all this is going on, And can I open my heart to you, because this is so often the case when we come to these moments, that I need these moments of remembrance so badly, because oftentimes the enemy likes to whisper subtle lies in my own heart. Mark, there's no way God could love you. Mark, you've fallen too far. Mark, you've messed up. You've... You should be ashamed of yourself. Mark, surely God would not love you. Surely God is not with you. Surely God is with somebody else, not with you. And here in this moment, you have this moment of remembrance to say in the midst of a group of disciples that would betray him. Jesus says, this is my body, which is for you. In the midst of the disciples that would leave him, he would say, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so these moments are also for our remembrance to remind you of God's care and his love and his provision, even for you. And in those moments, as you hold it, you may even say, surely this cannot cover my sins. Surely this is not off. This, this could not possibly cover me. It does. When Jesus says, it is finished, he meant it. And so we do this in remembrance of him to know that it is indeed Finished. Then we come to verses 27 and 28. Let a person then examine himself. And so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. In just a few moments, we will have those moments to examine our hearts. When we'll have those moments just to stop with the bread in our hand and the thimble of juice in our, in our hands. And we have a moment to simply reflect And maybe in that moment, you just want to simply say, Lord, thank you. Maybe you need to spend the three or four minutes that you have to just say, thank you, Jesus, for what you have done for me. And just spend the moments with it in your hand saying, thank you, Lord. Maybe you need to spend those moments confessing your sin to the Lord, saying, Lord, I have sinned and I have fallen short. Lord, I have turned my back on you. Lord, I just need to recalibrate my heart in this moment. Whatever it looks like for you in these moments to examine your heart. Don't simply waste the moment that you've been given to examine. Let your heart overflow with thanksgiving. Let your heart overflow with joy and the joy of your salvation. As I pray, I'm going to ask Eddie and Justin to come up and uncover the elements. And our, our deacons will, as a, as a demonstration of their servant-heartedness, will serve you these elements. We're, we're going to take them all together. So I would encourage you as the music plays to simply hold them in your hand and wait for us to take them together, using the opportunity to examine your heart in these moments. Let me pray, and then I'll ask them to uncover. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we pause in this moment with simple thanksgiving. As this music plays and as we have the opportunity to to examine our souls, Lord, would we listen well? Would our hearts be in tune to you? We love you. We thank you for Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.